Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Bachelor's Chicken Broth. It's not watery, and it doesn't repeat on you. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. I reflect on them today as well, to see if my attitude's changed. Often it has, because I've grown up and I don't have the same brain as I did when I was a boy. I have more understanding in the ways of the world. This week, I'm looking at the song, The Trooper, which is track five on the Peace of Mind album. On last week's show, I looked at Die With Your Boots On, which ended side one on the Peace of Mind album. And I had some feedback about the show. I enjoy getting feedback. That's one of the objectives of each episode, that my thoughts and comments might generate some discussion. So when I talked about the solos and the backing vocals, I thought that other people might join in and congratulate me on my insight, or add their own comments. I had a look on social media to see what had happened as a result of my episode. And I was amazed to see that the only discussion about it focused on porridge. And this is a bit disappointing, although quite interesting. Alan Bell pointed out that there are no rules to eating porridge, as Trevor perhaps speculated that there was. Trevor seemed to think that if you have milk in porridge, then you have to have sugar. But if you want salt in porridge, then it has to be water. Alan Bell's from Scotland originally. And people from Scotland are known for eating porridge, as well as some other things. So I trust him in his views, rather than Trevor. It turns out, from other people's comments, that you can have milk and water in your porridge. You don't have to just go one way. People are joining in all over the world. I had Alejandra from Italy say that she put cinnamon on her porridge. And then Kirsty Prince from Australia, she said that she tried salt, as Alan Bell suggested, and didn't like it. As a result of this, I'm wondering whether to change my podcast from being an Iron Maiden podcast to being something else. But, but I'll persevere for now. Luckily, away from Twitter, I had a comment on Facebook from Sean, and he said that he agreed with me about the backing vocals, and that also you can hear a sort of spoken word bit from Bruce in the background if you listen carefully. And yeah, I didn't mention this, but I also think it's annoying. So thank you, Sean, for responding by pointing out something I said on the episode that wasn't porridge-based. I've had a message from Goldie Wilson, and he's been in touch before, and he says... Where's Adrian's children's book this series? He's been very disappointed to listen and to find out that Adrian's not doing any readings this time. Well, I'm sure Adrian will be back. However, he's really focusing on his fishing book at the moment, which you may have seen on the news or on the internet, or even in your house if you've got it on your bookshelf. I had a comment from Gonch, and he said, Now that you've finished side A of the Peace of Mind album, that's seven sides that you've covered so far. And where would you rank the Peace of Mind side A, alongside the other sides on previous albums? This is a good question. And I think, looking at them all, I think that side one of the debut album is the strongest side so far. And that might be quite a shock. As a result, I think that side A on the Peace of Mind album might be the third best side so far, behind side two on the Number of the Beast album. Now, I could go into detail about why this is. But I'm here to talk about The Trooper this week, so maybe I'll write a detailed blog post on the Ko-Fi page about why I believe that side one of the debut album is the best side so far. So anyway, on with The Trooper. After Die With Your Boots On, this is a burst of freshness. It almost jumps out of the stereo at you. 
with its galloping bass and drums and the complimentary guitar. And I never get tired of hearing this. It's one of the most popular songs by Iron Maiden. And a lot of songs are accused of being overplayed and therefore over-familiar, so that the impact's lost over time. But I don't agree that The Trooper is one of these songs. The opening section is quite dramatic. It makes you stand to attention just hearing those opening chords. And there's just three chords. E minor, D and C. So, while Steve Harris doesn't like punk, this is a three-chord song for the majority of it. Usually, you go from E minor to C, but Iron Maiden have popped in a D in between to have that sort of downward scale, if you like. So it adds a, a dramatic edge. Then you get that gallop to sort of really bring it in. And that's something that's extra important on this song because the lyrics mention horses and it's about the charge of the light brigade, which is primarily a battle involving light cavalry, who are on horses. The first lyrics are, you take my life, but I'll take yours too. And this is similar to the Christian notion of an eye for an eye. But it also maybe reflects the attitude towards war by Iron Maiden, in that it's futile, because later on they say, on this battlefield, no one wins. So, yeah, you can do what you like, but you're still not going to win, are you? So this sort of sets the tone for the song a bit. While Bruce is singing those lines, the guitars stop to give that extra emphasis. We saw this on Revelations a bit, where the guitar stops. I sort of criticised it then, I didn't like it. But here, I think it works. It's a strange song, because it seems quite simple. As I said, just three chords, for most of it. And, and there's no chorus, there's just a whoa. But obviously, it doesn't just go whoa. Uh, it does like a, a tune and, and goes on for longer. And there's this windy effect on the vocals, a bit like the windy guitar effect that we've seen on previous episodes. But this is on the vocal. It's not in 83, so maybe this is flanger, but I've never quite worked it out. After the first line, you take my life, but I'll take yours too, it follows up with, you fire a musket, but I'll run you through. Now, musket is a bit like a pistol, like a small blunderbuss. And a blunderbuss is a bigger pistol. I, I, I don't know why I used that analogy. And I knew what a blunderbuss was. Because Hank, the store owner, owned one. In The Three Bears, a comic in the Beano. Muskets, I think, were used by musketeers. Or in the case of the Dog Tanyan cartoon, musket hounds. But this is strange, because I always think of musketeers as using swords rather than pistols. But maybe they had both. The Charge of the Light Brigade was part of the Crimean War which featured Lord Cardigan and the Battle of Balaclava. And these were both items in my wardrobe. I had lots of cardigans knitted by my mum. And also had a balaclava, which I used to wear to school to keep me warm. We didn't have hoodies in those days. Um, and they weren't threatening like they are today. I think balaclavas tend to be used by robbers, prowlers and people with villainous intent. But I wore mine so my ears didn't get cold in the winter. It sounds strange that many items of clothing were named after war or people in a war. People might be wondering if, because I've been a prowler and a drifter on previous episodes to see what it was like being those things, maybe that I'd be a trooper for this episode. Now, of course, I can't join the army at such short notice and then quit when I finish this episode. That's impossible. However, there's also a verb to troop, so you can be a trooper without joining the army. The verb means... To gather, move or march in, or as if in a crowd. So that's difficult at the moment, with lockdown and social distancing. 
so I can't troop with a group of people. I asked my mum if I could troop behind her in farm foods, but she said no. So I apologise for not being able to do any trooping on this episode. It's an iconic song, as I've mentioned earlier, and they even named a beer after it. Trooper Beer, which is alright. I wonder why they chose that and not other songs with the as the title, like Nomad or Assassin or Alchemist. They sound like they could be beers as well, but they went with Trooper, which I suppose makes more sense, being a popular song. Now it's time for Dave Morey Fact of the Week. Hello. Dave Morey likes to drink beer, and he quite likes the Trooper. He thinks it's alright, but he still prefers a good old-fashioned bottle of Ruddles. And that's just another example of his loyal personality. So join me next week for another Dave Morey Fact of the Week. So obviously, Steve Harris wasn't at this battle. He hadn't been born yet. So he had to rely on other accounts. And in fact, it was the poem by Tennyson that inspired these lyrics. Apparently, he wrote this poem six weeks after the event. Now this sounds like quite a long time. I think it takes Trevor a few weeks to write his poems. But you have to remember that Tennyson wouldn't have found out about this straight away because we didn't have Twitter then. He actually wrote it pretty quickly after reading about it in the Times newspaper. There were quite a lot of songs about war in the charts at the time. I think uh, there was this sort of paranoia in the world about the Cold War getting worse. Uh, 1983 it was an uh, yeah, interesting time. I was too young to appreciate what was going on on the news. I mentioned on the Flight of Icarus episode about the musical landscape changing. And in 1982, we had quite a few political and, and probably quite good songs written about war. In England, we had the Falklands War, which didn't last very long, but that inspired a couple of important songs. There was a song called Shipbuilding, which Elvis Costello wrote, which is very good, and was recorded by Robert Wyatt and got into the charts. There was also the punk band Crass, who actually wrote a song about the Falklands called Sheep Farming in the Falklands. And again, this was a protest song, although this only charted on the indie charts. A year later, 1983, and Iron Maiden are releasing The Trooper. But other songs about war are things like The War Song by Culture Club and Pipes of Peace by Paul McCartney. And these are rubbish. I believe The Trooper stands between these. It's not really a protest song or anti-war specifically but it does talk about the futility of it, but yet it isn't silly and commercial. It's quite impressive that Iron Maiden wrote a song about this battle, which may have educated people about it. This sort of thing wasn't in the charts, really. I mean, they don't go into detail about the tactics and the military strategy of the battle. It's just more about experiences. I did have a look online to see what I could find out about the battle. I thought about reenacting it with my Warhammer set, but there are no orcs in 1854 so it wouldn't have been realistic. Basically, the British Light Cavalry were sent on a mission and were faced with a more well-prepared Russian artillery. And they were called Light Cavalry because the horses weren't armoured and therefore they were quicker. There's a lot of talk about miscommunication, yet the cavalry carried on even though they knew they were outnumbered and it was futile. So this sort of inspired the poem, really, that sort of nature of the British or, or, or humans when faced with such circumstances. It was quite a surprise that the British lost to Russia in this battle, um, but they had to retreat, and obviously there were lots of casualties. As I say, this is a very unusual topic for a song, and especially a top 20 single, which The Trooper was. It was released in June 1983, and it entered the charts at number 26, which was the highest new entry of the week. 
This seems quite low for a highest new entry of the week. But again, on previous episodes, I've mentioned how the chart was different in those days, where singles took longer to get established and to climb the charts. It jumped up to number 12, which was just one place behind where Flight of Icarus got to, and it stayed at number 12 for two weeks before dropping slowly away. At the time, Baby Jane by Rod Stewart was number one. So it's a bit of a contrast. Okay, I think it's time for another instalment. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. June 983. We've got a new single coming out next week, The Trooper. I've seen the artwork for the single and um, I'm really pleased with it. I've been wanting one of our sleeves as a tattoo for a while. And I think this one's just a ticket. So I'm going to have to go and get it done soon. We've been having a chat before the US tour. Uh, we're going to do a bit of streamlining of the set. We've had a vote and Still Life, Prowler and Phantom are going to be dropped. I think Davey was a bit disappointed about Still Life. But I put my arm around him and gave him a pep talk. He's alright now. I made sure all my suggestions won. Nobody suspected any vote rigging. When we're there, I'm going to have to remember that jelly is jam and that crisps are chips. I don't want to get mixed up again, like last time. I felt a right jam roll. Or, or should that be jelly roll? I don't know. Bruce is always saying Americans are behind, but I think that's a bit harsh. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's diary. It's Steve Harris's Diary. Steve Harris's Diary is sponsored by 7up. I remember this particularly because of the video, which was at the end of the Video Pieces compilation. As a boy, I didn't find the video that exciting because there was no Eddie in it or, or any monsters, and this seemed more serious. I mean, there was an Eddie backdrop behind Nico's drum kit that rises up, but that wasn't the same as him walking on the stage and, and dancing with with the devil and, and looking menacing. Straight away on the video, you get an extract from Tennyson's poem flash up on the screen. But it's impossible to read it before it disappears. I wanted to press the pause button, but Trevor wouldn't let me have the remote control. The video basically is footage of the band on a stage, mixed with some black and white footage of a battle, supposedly the charge of the light brigade. There's cannons and, and horses sort of getting shot down. But this isn't actual footage from the battle, because I don't think they filmed it. This is from a film called Charge of the Light Brigade with Errol Flynn. So yeah, I wasn't that taken with the video, but I like seeing the band performing on the stage. Bruce is wearing a waistcoat and Jester's trousers. You can see his hairy chest and tummer, and I think this is a bit strange for such a serious song, and it may be disrespectful to the victims of this battle. Steve's wearing black and white trousers, as you'd expect, but they're not striped like usual. These ones are hooped, which is a horizontal stripe. According to my mum's woman's own magazine, stripes are slimming, but hoops make you look a bit portly. Steve Harris doesn't look portly, well his legs don't anyway. He just looks a bit like a zebra. Sometimes for these shows, I look at Wikipedia to get some facts, but that's not 100% accurate. And frustratingly, on the English version of Wikipedia, it says that The Trooper was released before Flight of Icarus as a single, and that it's Nico's first appearance with the band. This is false, so I'm not going to use Wikipedia to tell me anything. And I don't recommend you do. Unless I'm wrong. 
but I'm not. As a single, of course, there's uh, a chance for me to look at The Sleeve by Derek Riggs. And of course, if you're a fan of Iron Maiden, you don't need me to tell you what it looks like. It's got Eddie walking through a battle scene, holding a Union Jack, uh, dressed in sort of military outfit. And Steve Harris was so impressed with this, he had it as a tattoo on his arm. I tried to pull it on my arm as a tattoo without it pen, but it's quite hard to do it yourself because I had to do it upside down because my arm, I couldn't bend my arm the right way. And the flag proportion to the head was all wrong, so it looked a bit silly. It's quite a contrast to Flight of Icarus, which I said was the worst sleeve so far. I mean, this one is possibly the most iconic so far, even ahead of some of the albums. As a boy, I don't think I'd have appreciated how good the lyrics were, but you can really feel that sense of desperation in battle and and also the pointlessness of it all. You've got the sort of extra detail like the horse's breath and tortured groans. I never thought this would be one of my favourite songs, but it just still sounds good today. Recently, I rewatched the Live After Death DVD, and the version of the Trooper on that is amazing. Really great sound, possibly even better than the album version, where the band is flawless, and Nico adds these extra flourishes near the end on the final verse. Right, well, as there's a bit of poetry in this with Tennyson, I thought I'd get Trevor on, maybe to talk a bit more about it. I mean, obviously I'd be speaking to him anyway, but maybe he can go on a bit about some of the poetic aspects that I don't get. So I'll give him a ring now. Hi, Wayne. Oh, hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I've been uh, selling my book, haven't I? Oh, how's that going? Yeah, pretty good. Sold a few copies. Are you on target? Well, I didn't set target, but I did think that if it got out of control, I might have to hire some staff to sort of deal with the demand and, and take inquiries. Well, how would you do that? I'd just put an advert up in the newsagents. Okay, well, yeah, uh, if you don't know, Trevor's got a a book out of his poetry, um, which is online on the Ko-Fi page. But I don't want this to be uh, just about plugging Trevor's book. Uh, We're here to talk about The Trooper. So what are your memories of that? Uh, Is it a song you like? Yeah, I think most Iron Maiden fans like it, don't they? Um, I wonder if any Iron Maiden fans hate it. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? As a boy, I thought it was quite funny because Trevor and Trooper sound similar, don't they? Uh Yeah, well, I used to call myself Trevor the Trooper, do you remember? What, my, my, what for about a month, was it? Can't remember, but anyway, yeah, I used to dress up and run around the garden and sing a song. What song? It just went, I'm Trevor the Trooper. Oh, OK. Yeah, I used to pretend I was Eddie, and I, I used to get a Union Jack flag and, and run around with it. I don't remember this. How, how did you get a Union Jack flag? Well, then, you used to get a flag set, didn't you, at the seaside, to put on your sandcastles, and you had all of the flags of the British Isles. I used to like the yellow Scotland one, and the dragon on Wales. England was boring, though, but I used to like putting them on the sandcastles. Maybe Andrew Whitnall did this, because he likes flags, doesn't he? Does he? Well, I don't know, maybe maybe I'll ask him. But I don't want people to be commenting about this episode about flags because last week you mentioned porridge and that's all anyone spoke about. And I want to talk about the trooper and its importance and why it's so good. Well, yeah, it is obviously a really good song. Um, but uh, you probably want me to speak more about Tennyson, don't you? And, and what he means to poets and the world in general. Yes, that would be good. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about Tennyson then because uh, I don't know much about him. Well, I think I respect his work generally. Um, I mean, 
It's quite important for Birmingham because he was a major influence on the pre-Raphaelite movement. What? He was an influence on the pre-Raphaelite movement. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, but why is that relevant to Birmingham? Well, Edward Byrne-Jones was from Birmingham, and he was a pre-Raphaelite painter, and he painted The Beggar Maid, which was a Tennyson poem. Okay. Yeah, you can see it's in the Birmingham Art Gallery. In fact, there are a few versions of it, like an early version, which he didn't finish, and then a sort of sketchier version, and then the finished version. I think I might present my poems like that one day, sort of the first draft, and then my notes, and then the finished version. I don't think you're going to be in the Birmingham Art Gallery. Well, no, but it's just an idea, isn't it? Okay, well, can we talk about the Trooper? I mean, and the Charge of Light Brigade poem. That, that's what people are listening for, not about Birmingham. And... Well, yeah, we wrote it after reading about it in the Times newspaper. So we didn't experience it, but he just tried to imagine the emotions. I think because he did it so quickly, he got a bit of criticism for it. So then he changed it, and then he got criticism for changing it. So I think he should have left it as it was. When I get criticism, I leave the poems as they were, because that's the intention, isn't it? And I'm the poet, and if you don't like it, it's tough. That's what Tennyson should have said. Okay, so why do you think Steve Harris was interested in this? Well, he also wrote Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, and that was Samuel Taylor Coleridge, and him and Tennyson were around the same time. So maybe Steve Harris liked that era of poetry. Okay, well, that sounds logical, doesn't it? Maybe he studied that. but um. I don't know, there's a lot of songs about war, isn't there, with Iron Maiden? Yeah, but some of them are obvious. What do you mean? Well, this one's clearly about a specific battle, but it also could be quite generic about war. But then some songs, like The Aftermath, when I hear that, I think Steve Harris is writing about his divorce and sort of the battle between the couple. No, it's not. He talks about the modern rain, isn't that, like the trenches or something? Oh, yeah, but when he says... What are we fighting for and uh, who will take the blame and should we be fighting at all? I think that's what couples go through in the break-up, like when they decide what DVDs they want. Well, it can't be, can it? It was written in the 90s, there weren't DVDs. It talks about mustard gas. How, how did that feature in Steve Harris's marriage break-up? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe it means something else. OK, well, I don't think that's a very good example, but maybe you're right. Maybe they do write songs about war, meaning other things. I don't know. I feel like this started off quite academic with, with your knowledge of poetry and, and now you just ruined it by making a complete hash of analysing the aftermath. So luckily we've got a couple of years probably before we get to that episode so you can sort of perhaps do some more research on it. All right, Wayne. Well, that's just my view. When I heard it recently, I thought that. I thought it might be about his breakup because that was around the same time, wasn't it? Okay, well, anyway, let's uh, have a listen to your poem this week that's been inspired by the trooper. Okay, here, here it is. I look at you in the photograph, frozen in time in black and white, smiling at a wedding like nothing was wrong. But you must have known what was coming, from top hat to tin helmet, from love to fear. That man you killed had a family too, but the guilt, the blood... The mud, it suffocates you, and you can't talk about it. You took a life, but it took yours too. You weren't the same. I never knew the real you. Okay, well, that almost sounded like a real poem. Um, is that, what's that about then? Well, it's obviously about the effects of war, isn't it? About how 
people just go and do things and for whatever cause and ultimately, like in the trooper, it, it doesn't solve anything. I also reflect that war can have stress on people afterwards and you know, they can survive the war, but then they come home and it still comes back to haunt them. So you said at the beginning about uh, a photograph at a wedding. Was that a real photograph? Yeah, I've got a picture of a wedding from the 1930s and it's got my granddad on it. And uh, yeah, he's obviously smiling, it's, it's at a wedding. But then they must have known that a war was about to come. Yet this picture, you wouldn't know it. And it, it's quite sad. Uh, okay, Trevor, what? What's good about the trooper, though, is that he's anonymous. There's no name or anything, and this shows that it could be anyone. So it's like we all could be in that situation. Um, but even though it's like anonymous, it was a re- you know, these are real people affected by it. I think it's quite timely that you're doing this in Remembrance Week. Oh, yeah, well, I, I didn't plan it, but, uh, yeah, I suppose yeah, it, it ties in with that. Okay, well, do you want to mention your book again while you're on the phone? No, I'm all right, thanks. I, I, I feel like I want to go and have a sit-down. Okay, well, well, we'll speak soon. We've got uh, next week it's still life, isn't it? So uh, speak then. Trevor? Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, Wayne. Bye. Oh, I don't know what to say after that. Um... You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wayne Maiden. Uh, uh, I'm on Facebook. I've got a Ko-Fi page, uh, ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. And there's now a shop feature on there, and that's where Trevor's book is, so I'll mention it soon as he didn't seem to want to. I've had a message from Robbie Wright, and he says that he found the porridge argument very interesting. It reminds him of a dilemma he's been having with some of his friends, where some think that on a bacon sandwich you have red sauce, on a sausage sandwich, you have brown sauce. So what do you think about this, Wayne? He asks. Well, I'd agree with this. I think red sauce or ketchup with bacon and brown sauce with sausages. Although if you have a full English breakfast and you have both sausages and bacon on the plate, that becomes more challenging. I've also had a message from Vince Savage, and he says that I've got it wrong about muskets and blunderbusses. In fact, he didn't say that and I'm quite worried that the plural of blunderbuss might not be blunderbusses. But anyway, he says that I said that... Hang on, this is confusing. Anyway, I said that a musket was a smaller type of blunderbuss. And actually, it's the other way around. A musket is bigger than a blunderbuss. So I do apologise about this. And Vince Savage says that maybe I was thinking of duelling pistols. Well, I don't know. I don't know the family of pistols. Um, okay, I suppose that's the danger of doing a podcast, isn't it? You sort of go with what you feel. And as I've said earlier, if you look at Wikipedia, you get things wrong. If you just go on memory and you've, and your gut feeling, you get things wrong. So anyway, thank you for clearing that up, Vince. I'm sure the listeners are, are quite grateful for that. So that's the trooper. Like other important songs with Iron Maiden. I'm quite worried about this episode because I don't think I can do it justice in, in less than half an hour. But there we are. And next week, we're looking at still life, and we're getting quite a way through the Peace of Mind album. So hopefully you'll join me for that. So I'll play out with some Trooper, and uh, hopefully speak to you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>